Good morning, I'm Pastor Allen. I'm glad that you're here. And this is the first time in being a pastor in 40 years I'm going to preach two Easter sermons. I had two different ideas I really liked, and I thought, wow, we celebrate Easter every Sunday, really, right? So you get Easter sermon this week. Actually, we're going to race Easter this week, and we'll bring it back next week. No. Uh, so uh, hopefully you'll be able to join us also next week. But if not, you still uh, were able to uh, be part of an Easter uh, message here. Glad that you're here. Um, talk about erasers. Erasers are great, aren't they? Um, you make a mistake, you want to change something, you can erase it and go back and fix it and get it the way you want. Um, whether it's on a paper or on a blackboard. Of course, on computers, you just put the delete button, it goes away, and it's as good as new. So I want you to pretend with me this morning that we have this magic racer that we can erase an event in history. Okay? Something that happened, we can just erase it. Um, I got to think about my own personal history before we get into the history of the world. And I'm thinking, okay, if I erased an event out of my personal life, how would my life be different? Because that would be the next question. Would it make any difference? Would it make any difference if I erased this event out of my life? So I thought about back in 19, and most of you heard this, back in 19, January of 1976 when my pastor in Myersville suggested that I go help his church over in near Kittiesville. And if I hadn't gone, I said, nah, I don't, I don't think that I'd want to bother because that's where I met my wife, and I met my mother-in-law, and eventually became the pastor of Greenbrier Baptist Church today. Uh, a couple of my kids are here today. You would not exist. <laughs> so I think it would be a big deal to you. Uh, six of our grandkids wouldn't exist. And so it might not make a big difference to world history, but it would make a big difference to some personal history. So would it make any difference. <clears throat> now, back in 1905, now see, I was a history major in college, so I like history. And I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I know in a group this size, about a half of you, I know you like history too, uh, could care less. But somebody wrote something very significant in 1905. His name was George Santayana. And you might have heard a variation of this. And it says this, those who can't remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And even if you only know a little bit about history, you know that people, nations, countries keep making the same mistakes over and over. Now, there is something called revisionist history, which I really hate. And that's where they rewrite history. Really. They say, you think this is what happened. That isn't really what happened. This is what happened over here. And a lot of it has to do with removing what we would call uh, godly or Christian things out of history. But there is something else called alternative history. It's not really history, it's really literature. <clears throat> and what this does, it imagines, pretends, that you have an eraser that you can erase an event in history. And then just kind of project the ripple effect of if that event never happened. Now a famous book was written in 1931 that they had important people write essays about alternative history. And the the most interesting one to me in the book is uh, written what was written by Winston Churchill. Now remember, it's 1931. And he conjectured that if, uh, if uh, Robert E. Lee and the South had won the Battle of Gettysburg, not too far from here, uh, 
what would, it, what would have been the ripple effect? And he conjectures that the United States would have become two countries. And then he said that those two countries, along with Great Britain, would form this union. And consequently, between those three nations, we could have prevented World War I. Now, you got to remember, in 1931, it's like 12 years after the end of World War I. Winston Churchill lived through World War I. He'd suffered uh, in England. And so if you were going to think of some event that you could change in history, that would be what you'd want to change, right? World War I. He goes all the way back. Another, well, another one's about if Lincoln hadn't gotten shot. And interesting thing about that is that Lincoln ends his career kind of uh, not, a, not a good person, not a famous person, even though I think he's the best president we ever had. So it's an interesting book called Alternative History. I'm kind of a science fiction buff also. In 1962, a famous science fiction writer, Philip Dick, wrote a book called A Man in the High Castle. And this is alternative history. And this history was, what if Nazi Germany and Japan had won World War II? What would have been the ripple effect? Again, this is what, 12, uh, 17 years after World War II. What would have been different? What would have been the ripple effect? And actually, they've made a, a television series out of this book. So I'm going to show you a short clip out of that series, and then we'll move on. Pretty creepy, huh? 
alternative history. Uh, some things would have changed. Some things wouldn't have been much different. Still been in school. <clears throat> so if you think about alternative history, and you could think of some big event that would have had a big effect on, on the world, what would you come up with? And I asked this question in one of my small groups. And uh, my wife came up with the invention of the wheel. I don't know who invented the wheel, but how would the world be different if we didn't invent the wheel? I suggested the printing press. Uh, because when they invented the printing press, what did they start printing mostly? Bibles. And so everybody could get a Bible. And I thought, man, that would be a really significant. And if they never had... Uh, invented a printing press, where would we be? And you might want to pick something like computers. You could pick a historical event or whatever. <clears throat> but what would happen if you erased Easter? Well, for one thing, there'd be a lot less hospitals. In fact, most of history, the people that provided medical care were... Christians, first century, during the uh, uh, dark ages, during the plagues, etc., etc. Some of the hospitals that were started by Christians. A lot of Christian uh, missionaries go and uh, help the sick around the world. Uh, you could say there'd be less schools, less colleges exactly, in particular. Uh, Harvard and Yale started out teaching what? Anybody know? The Bible. That's where they were started. They were like seminaries. They would teach people the Bible. They didn't do that anymore, but that's how they started. So there'd be less, there'd be less colleges. There'd be less orphanages. There'd be less food banks and homeless shelters and food, uh, clothing closets, etc. If you erased Easter. In fact, you could make the case that the United States as we know it would be completely different without Easter. Because in 1620, when the pilgrims came and and before, before they get off the boat, they wrote something called the Mayflower Compact. And I'll just give you one quote from that. They came to the United States to do what? Establish a, a colony or uh, a place for people with the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith. That was the purpose of it. So the United States as we know it would be completely different uh, without Easter. Now, alternative history wasn't invented uh, recently. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, wrote letters to churches he start, established, does some alternative history in uh, a letter we call Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, that he wrote. And we're going to look at uh, Paul's conjecture, ripple effect, if you will, of the fact that there would be, if there was no Easter, if we erased it Easter. So we're going to pick it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Verse 15. So, if there's no resurrection of the dead, now the argument was, you know, Jesus might have raised, rose from the dead, but not, nobody else is going to. And so Paul's debating or arguing. He's saying, if there's no resurrection of the dead, nobody else is going to be resurrected, then Christ has not been raised because he was a man too. So if mankind can't be raised, then Jesus couldn't be raised. And if Christ had not been raised, then we're going to race it. If he hadn't been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. <clears throat> Philip Yancey tells a story about attending a funeral where nobody spoke. Nobody said anything. And everybody was handed like a, a mint, a, can, a candy cane. And everybody sucked on the candy cane until it was dissolved and then they left. That was the funeral. 
there's no Easter, if there's no resurrection, if there's no life after death, you know, life is just kind of like a candy cane. It just kind of dissolves and it's all gone. It's, o- it's, it's over. There is no ultimate healing as we describe it. There's no, you're still guilty in your sins. So there's no hope of something better afterwards or later. <clears throat> Interesting story, a guy by the name of Cornelius Anderson. In 2000, he was convicted of burglary, burglary, whatever, (laughs) robbery. And uh, he was sentenced to prison. And the judge sent him home awaiting, awaiting, you know, when you go in and when you come out. So days went by, weeks went by, months went by. Nobody came and got him. And the lawyer said, eventually, they're going to catch up with you. He got married, had three kids, got a driver's license, learned carpentry, started his own business, paid his taxes. But then the Department of Justice in uh, Missouri, one day in 2013, discovered their mistake. They sent a SWAT squad with uh, one of those things to bust in the door, and they busted in the door and, and uh, hauled him off to prison. And eventually you have to pay your debt. Eventually they're going to catch up with you, right? <clears throat> Well, if there's no cross, if there's no resurrection, then we are guilty of our sins. No matter how well we live our lives and help as many people as we can, we still got that stuff in our life that we can't deal with, the guilt and the shame and the things we've done wrong, right? And it's eventually going to catch up with us, right? Without the resurrection. Uh, The message paraphrase says it this way, and if Christ weren't raised... And you, what you're doing is wandering around in the dark as lost as ever, just kind of going like this. That's the way you're living your life. If you erase Easter. Now some people say, well, Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. Why do you need a resurrection? Right? So on your outline, I put the cross with the payment for our sins. But Easter is what completed the transaction. Let me try and illustrate this. You ever been to one of these big box stores? I don't go shopping very often, but I was at one recently uh, with my wife. And the interesting thing to me, I'm not a big shopper, but interesting thing to me about those stores compared to all other stores is this. You go in, you pick up what you want, put it in your card, you go through the checkout line, you go through the checkout line, you pay for it, however you pay for it, they give you a receipt. Now, all other stores, that's it, right? You got your stuff, you paid for it, you can go and, and leave home, go back home. But those stores, when you get to the door, there's a little, usually a little old man or a little old lady standing there with a little marker, and she stops you and wants to see your receipt. And she looks at your receipt and looks what you got in the basket and looks at your receipt and checks a few things off, and then uh, hopefully lets you go. But what if you didn't have the receipt? She so gonna let you out? He gonna let you out? But you paid for it, right? The payment was been made. But you did have the receipt. You couldn't get out of the store with it. You'd have to go back and they'd have to print you another one or whatever. So the receipt was proof of the transaction. That's kind of the same with the resurrection. Jesus paid for our sins on the cross, but the proof. The receipt is the resurrection. So, if you erase Easter, 
Never existed. You would raise faith, right? What would you have to believe in? There wouldn't be anything to believe in. So you'd raise faith. We'd be left without faith. You would erase redemption. Jesus wouldn't have paid for our sin. And so consequently, death had won. So we would still have to pay for our sins, which means we would still have to die and be separated from God. You would erase forgiveness. There wouldn't be an opportunity for forgiveness, right? There wouldn't be any basis for forgiveness. We couldn't be forgiven of our sins because God's a holy God. They've got to be paid for. It's got to be, you know, the books have to be balanced so there'd be no forgiveness. And ultimately, there'd be no grace. Now, grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. I kind of think of grace this way. Those of you who are parents, your kids grow up and they say to you one day, I'm out of here. I hate your guts. I never want to see you again. You want me to do this? I'm going to do just the opposite. So long. As you as a parent, what are you going to do? Well, if that's your attitude, go ahead. <laughs> Thankfully, that wasn't God's attitude. He said, okay, you want to try, you want to be that way? I'm going to love you back. I'm going to treat you like you don't deserve. I'm going to, fact, I'm going to have my son die for you just in case or just to give you the opportunity to come back home. That's grace. Without Easter, there's no grace. In fact, Paul goes, it's a long chapter, we're going to skip around. In verse 32, Paul says this, If there is no resurrection, let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. If that's all there is. You know, a lot of people live that way, right? Work all week, the party on the weekend. That's all there is. So life really doesn't have a destination. Now, my wife um, in February flew off to Louisiana where she has some relatives. So I take her to the airport, drop her off. She had bought her ticket ahead of time. So you can imagine I'm driving back home and I get a call 10 or 15 minutes later and say, hey, she calls me hubby, hubby. Um, they tell me that my ticket's going to send me to California, and they wonder if that's okay with me. That's the only plane they got, the only plane they have room. Oh, sure, that's fine. Have a good time in California? No, no, that's not where she wants to go. She doesn't have relatives there. It doesn't work for her, does it? It's the wrong destination. It's kind of like she sends me to the store to buy a vacuum cleaner, and I come back with a, a lawnmower. And say, is that going to work for you? Uh, no, that's not going to work for me. I need a vacuum cleaner, not a lawnmower. Or even worse, from my perspective, I ask my wife, I don't do this, but if I ask my wife to tape the game for me, you know, and I get back home and she says, I taped Dancing with the Stars. Is that okay with you? <laughs> <laughs> not quite. That wasn't what I was looking for. That wasn't my destination. And what about the mode? She arrives at the airport, and I get a call 10 minutes later saying, hey, um, they gave me a bicycle to get to Louisiana and asked me if that'll work for me. Uh, not quite, right? That's not going to work. So the destination matters and the mode matters. But without Easter, we have neither, do we? We don't have the destination, and even if we had a destination, we don't have the way to get there. So if you erased Easter, then you erased true satisfaction 
right? What satisfies? You know, when you party on the weekend, Monday comes, not very satisfying, is it? But you try it again the next weekend. There's no true satisfaction. And there's really no motivation. What, what is your purpose for trying to accomplish something in life? If that's all there is. Eat, drink, and be merry. And die. That's it. And then he goes on and says this. If our hope in Christ is only for this life. Alright? There's no resurrection. You know, Christ helps us in this, during this lifetime, but then there's nothing after that. We are more pitied than anyone in the world. Now, there's this interesting debate, and you folks can help me with this a little bit. There's this interesting debate <clears throat> that on your deathbed, you and I find out this whole God thing, this Christianity thing, this resurrection thing, this Jesus thing, it's just a myth. It's not real. And there's 100% proof it's not real. How are you going to feel? Now, we say sometimes around here, we believe that following Jesus, and if you're not a Jesus follower, we're really happy you're here today. But we think following Jesus makes you better at life and makes your life better. But Paul seems to be saying, well, if that's all there is, then you've, your life's been waste. You should be pitied. And the idea is this. Following Jesus requires sacrifice, right? And if you've sacrificed your time to come to church, you sacrificed your money to support Christian causes, you sacrificed your time, it was all wasted, wasn't it? So, if some of you want to do this, I only got one from the first service, write on your response card today, if I died and that was true, I would have no regrets, I still had a great life, or put on there regrets. Because I could have had a lot more fun. <laughs> All right? I'll be interesting. I'll give you a tally next week of what responses I got. But Paul's saying, it's, that's, if that's it, then you're, you, you, you should be pitied. So if you're raised Easter, then you're raised hope. What hope do you have? What hope do I have? No Easter, no resurrection. You know, I don't know about you, but life's pretty tough. <laughs> and... Living without hope makes it even worse. So consequently, you erase purpose. There's no purpose in life. Do I just get up, go to work, go to bed, get up, go to work, go to bed, get to do a few things on the weekend, just this vicious cycle over, get old enough to retire and suffer and die? No purpose. All right, so that's the alternative history. But that's not real, right? That's fiction. So Paul gets back to facts. In fact, he says that in verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead and he is the first of great harvest of all who have died. Meaning, he has been resurrected and you and I, if we're Jesus followers, one day we're going to be resurrected. There's going to be a whole bunch of us resurrected. Now, I didn't read the beginning of this chapter, but back at the beginning he was giving uh, proof, if you will. So we're going to read that real quick. Verses 3 through 6. Pass on to you what is most important, what has been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. He literally died. This person named Christ, he literally died. Not just died, but he died for our sin. He was buried, so he's literally put in a grave. 
And he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as Scripture said. And he was seen, right? He was seen. There was witnesses. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve or the ten. I don't know what twelve they're talking about. <clears throat> but there was eleven, that, and Peter would have been eleven, so there should be ten. But anyway, <laughs> after that he was seen by more than five hundred of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive. So if you want to go... Check it out. Go and talk to him. Say, hey, was, did you see Jesus walking around after, after he was crucified? Yeah, yeah, we saw him. Took his hand. Whatever. Uh, of course, some of them had died. Now, if we had some event where there was 500 people that said, yeah, I saw it. I was there. We'd all believe it, right? It's fact. It's history. It was witnessed. So we're going to fast forward to the end of the chapter. Um, and he says this. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? Man's greatest fear is what? Death. He says, okay, because of the resurrection, where's your victory? Because at the cross, what did it look like? It looked like death, Satan, had won, right? Back in the garden, man was created to, to never die, and then he sinned, Satan involved in that so then when Jesus who lived a perfect life died it looked like Satan still won right death still won but the empty tomb changed everything right who won death didn't win Satan didn't win God won now one of the things I do as a pastor is do funerals actually I enjoy doing funerals it's part of life all of us going to die but, there's a huge difference in funerals that I do. In fact, a couple of years ago, um, some of you know Melvin. His, uh, Melvin's the oldest of three boys. He's also the smallest, believe it or not. <laughs> if you know Mel, he's a pretty big guy. But his, his middle brother, his, his wife died. She was in her 50s. She had Alzheimer's. It was kind of sad. But they weren't Jesus followers. And I guess they didn't know any other preachers, so they asked me to do the service. It was down in, near Baltimore, and I, I did the service. Other than Melvin, my wife, and I, I don't believe, there's probably close to 100 people there, I don't believe there was another believer in the room. So I'm talking about, you know, <laughs> you know the hope we have and all this stuff, and I'm, I've got all these blank faces looking back at me. And it was just, it was one of the saddest things I've ever done. But a few years ago, my daughter-in-law died, 33, name's Aaron. And um, probably 700 people maybe there for that memorial service. And as hard it was for me to do and as sad as it was, it was one of the most joyous, worshipful experiences. Some of you were there, right? That I've ever experienced. It's huge, all the difference in the world between someone that dies without Christ and someone that dies with Christ. The message paraphrase says it this way. I like this. I think Paul invented trash talking, okay? And here it is. Death swallowed by, by triumph and love. Who got the last word? Oh, death, oh, death. Who's afraid of you now? Huh? Who's afraid of you now? Trash talking, right? And that's what, that's what Paul's doing here. So because of Easter, there is hope, right? We have hope. This isn't all there is. In fact, this isn't, isn't the best there is. 
The best is yet to come. There's hope. So Paul goes on and says, but thank God he gives us victory. No, it was given to us. We didn't earn it, work for it. He's given us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how it's given to us. And because of Easter, there's faith. I can believe. I can trust. There's redemption. My sins have been paid for. I received forgiveness. And ultimately, I had that grace. That God doesn't reject me because I've rejected Him. In fact, He, he loves me even more. And He makes that almost irresistible. And then we finish with this verse. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. You got hope. You got faith. Be strong. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. And it's hard sometimes. I understand that. I've been a pastor a long time. And that doesn't mean just professional people like me. All of us are, are Jesus followers are working for the Lord. Why? Why work enthusiastically? For you know, there's no doubts, nobody can erase this, that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. It's got purpose. We have tremendous purpose. We get to share this good news. So we should be the most enthusiastic people on the planet, right? People get all excited about their team winning the Super Bowl or the World Series or whatever. Jesus, our Jesus, won the battle against death and sin. How much more enthusiastic should we be? So because of Easter, there's purpose in life. I should be highly motivated. And there's a satisfaction that comes, that comes from nowhere else. Now, anytime I get to talk, I know there's two groups of people out there. Most of you are Jesus followers. And you buy, all this, buy into all this stuff. You believe this stuff. You're, out, you're, you're motivated. You've got purpose. You're, you're enthusiastic. But there's a, a, another group of people that aren't. And again, we're glad that you're here. But let me ask a couple questions. Uh, what are you working for? What's your purpose? What are you looking forward to? And what about your guilt? I don't know you personally, but I know you screwed up because we all screw up. You got stuff you're ashamed of? What do you do about that? Can't erase it, can you? Can't pretend it's not there. In fact, they're the hardest things to not remember. The regrets. Things you shouldn't have done or things you should have done. What do you do with the disappointment? Because you may be working hard and not seeing anything. But what are you working for? It may seem useless. So let me just end with this. Easter seals these things for us. Jesus followers. It can't be taken away. You can't take away my hope. You can't take away my redemption. You can't take away grace. You can't. Easter, the resurrection, changes everything. We'll talk about this again next week. Hope you can join us. Bring somebody with you. I'm going to pray. We'll have the praise team come lead us in one last song and let you go. We'll also have some people over here. If you want to talk to somebody or just want to pray with somebody, they'll be here during the song and then after the service. Okay, so let's pray. Ah, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> that the tomb was empty, that you conquered death. We don't need to fear it. In fact, we look forward to eternity, 
much better than, than here. And the work we do sometimes may be tough, might not see results. We know it has value. And we have a purpose. And there's good news. And God, I want to pray for anybody here that's not a Jesus follower. We're, again, we're delighted that they're here. And we just hope and pray that they take seriously this issue. But where is the purpose and meaning in life? What do I do with those regrets? And we thank you that you provided free. It's a gift. You give it to us. The solution, the answer. And there's purpose and meaning. Not only hereafter, but here in life. We thank you for the hope that you bring. In Jesus' name, amen.